0: Hey, listeners, thanks for dropping in to the podcast. I'm glad you could join me for this new episode where we look at a really strange bit of folklore. But before we get started, let me remind you to visit our Facebook page where you're going to find monsters, many of which you may not even know about, at least not yet, quizzes with answers given during the next episode, film, TV, and book recommendations, and some current paranormal news stories from around the world. Every week we put out new content just for you. Now, on to our episode. They seemingly appeared out of nowhere. Two small children with one very unusual peculiarity. They were entirely green. A folk story collected in the early 12th century goes like this. At harvest time one day during the reign of King Stephen, the villagers of Woolpit discovered two children, a brother and sister, beside one of the wolf pits for which the village was known. Their skin was green, they spoke an unknown language, and their clothing was unfamiliar. The strange children were taken in by a local man. The emaciated children refused all food for several days, until they came across some raw beans, which they eagerly ate. And the story? It gets stranger still. Woolpet or in Old English, Wolf Pit, is an ancient village in Suffolk named after, as one might gather from its name, an old pit for catching wolves. Next to this wolf pit, in around the year 1150, a group of villagers came across the two young children with green skin, apparently speaking gibberish and acting nervously. According to writings at the time by Ralph of Cogshall, The children were subsequently taken to the nearby home of Sir Richard de Calne where he offered them food but they repeatedly refused to eat. This continued for some days until the children came across some green beans in Richard de Calne's garden which they ate straight out of the ground. It's thought the children lived with Richard de Calne for some years where he was able to slowly convert them to eating normal food. According to the writings of the day this change in diet eventually led to the children losing their green complexion. But we're getting a little ahead of the story, so let's go back to that beginning of this weird tale. The legend itself says the green children of Woolpit were a boy and his sister, found by farmers working their fields at harvest time near some ditches that had been excavated to trap wolves at St. Mary's of the Wolf Pits, or Woolpit. The children were strange-looking. Shockingly, their skin was tinged with a green hue their clothes were made from unfamiliar materials, and their speech was unintelligible. The villagers could not understand what they were saying as they were speaking in an unknown language. But by using signs, they were able to interpret the children couldn't remember how they arrived at Wolf Pit. All they could remember was that they had been tending to their father's cattle, got lost, and then walking around aimlessly, suddenly found themselves by the Wolf Pit. Everything was unfamiliar to them, and about them. They obviously were not local orphans, and no one living in the village and nearby towns had ever seen them before. They were clearly starving, and when the villagers tried to give them bread, they flatly refused to eat. It was only when one of the villagers brought them green beans they started eating with pleasure. They survived only on beans for many months until they acquired a taste for bread. The children slowly learned to speak English and, once fluent, were asked where they had come from and why their skin was once green. They replied with the following, We are inhabitants of the land of St. Martin, who is regarded with peculiar veneration in the country which gave us birth. We are ignorant of how we arrived here. We only remember this, that on a certain day, when we were feeding our fathers' flocks in the fields, we heard a great sound such as we are now accustomed to hear at St. Edmund's when the bells are chiming. And whilst listening to the sound in admiration, we became on a sudden, as it were, entranced, and found ourselves among you in the fields where you were gathering. The sun does not rise upon our countrymen. Our land is little cheered by its beams. We are contented with that twilight which, among you, precedes the sunrise or follows the sunset." Moreover, a certain luminous country is seen, not far distant from ours, and divided from it by a very considerable river." The girl reported that, like them, all the inhabitants of St. Martin's Land lived underground and were green, like them. Shortly after this revelation, Richard de Calne took the children to be baptized in a local church, however, the boy unfortunately died soon afterwards from an unknown illness. The girl, later known as Agnes, continued to work for Richard de Calde for many years before marrying the archdeacon of Eli, Richard Barr. According to one report, the pair had at least one child. Woolpit in the Middle Ages lay within the most agriculturally productive and densely populated area of rural England. The village had belonged to the rich and powerful Abbey of Bury St. Edmunds. The story itself was recorded in two contemporary chronicles, The English chronicler, Ralph of Coggeshall, was an abbot of a Cistercian monastery at Coggeshall, which lay about 26 miles south of Woolpit. His account of the green children of Woolpit was recorded in his English chronicle, and in it he named Sir Richard de Calne, who took the children in, as his source. Meanwhile, the English historian William of Newburgh, canon of the Austinian Newburgh Priory, far to the north in Yorkshire, included the story of the Green Children in his main work, History of English Affairs. He was more removed from the incident both physically and in time. His version was published around 1220 and reportedly came from many trustworthy sources. Both writers stated the events took place within the reign of King Stephen or King Henry II, depending on which version of the story you read. So sometime between the middle or late 1100s. Even if you prefer one account over the other, a larger question remains. Is this story a folk tale or some inferior version of an actual historical occurrence? If the story is based on actual events, there are a few plausible explanations for the green tent. One theory is that the children had arsenic poisoning. The story goes that their caretaker, an earl from Norfolk, left them to die in a forest near the Norfolk Suffolk border. Another more likely and less depressing cause is chlorosis, a type of iron deficiency spawned from malnutrition that leads to a greenish complexion. Chlorosis is caused by a very poor diet that affects the color of the red blood cells and results in a noticeably green shade of the skin. In support of this theory is the fact that the girl is described as returning to a normal color after adopting a healthy diet. Yet another, and perhaps most likely theory, maintains they were the children of Flemish immigrants who were persecuted and killed, possibly in the Battle of Fornham in 1173. Fornham St. Martin was a nearby village, separated from Woolpit by a river and just a few miles from Bury St. Edmunds, where loud bells often chimed. A similar theory focuses on the possibility the children were Flemish immigrants who were taken away from their parents. It's possible the children had been orphaned, suffered a poor diet while lost and on their own, and eventually made their way to Woolpit from Fornham-St. Martin by following the clanging bells. Since the Flemish community was reportedly living in the area at the time, this possibility is highly believable. If the green children of Woolpit had indeed been Flemish immigrants on the run, and if they had fled into Thetford Forest, it may have seemed like permanent twilight to the frightened children. They may also have entered one of the many underground mine passages in the area, which finally led them to Woolpit. Dressed in strange Flemish clothes and speaking another language, the children would have presented a very strange sight to the Woolpit villagers. Skeptics point out the words used by the Woolpit children in telling their story suggest they came from a European background, had a reverence for the Christian church, and subsisted through farming livestock, hardly the lifestyle of aliens. It could also be argued they traveled from northern Europe on a trade ship and became disoriented in a foreign land. This would explain the language barrier they endured as well as their familiarity with aspects of English culture that were also to be found on the mainland. What about otherworldly explanations? Were they extraterrestrials? Well other commentators have proposed a more otherworldly origin for the children. Robert Burton suggested in his 1621 book, The Anatomy of Melancholy, that the green children of Woolpit fell from heaven, leading others to speculate that children may have been extraterrestrials. In a 1996 article published in the magazine Analog, astronomer Duncan Lunan theorized the children were accidentally transported to Woolpit from their extraterrestrial home planet. It may be trapped in orbit around its sun, presenting the conditions for life only in a narrow twilight zone between a fiercely hot surface and a frozen dark side, he said. He included the claims again in his 2012 book, Children from the Sky. Ravi Rajan, writing for the website Alcation, says, Whenever I talk about the story of the green children of Woolpit, I get two extreme reactions. The skeptics say the story is a perfect example of medieval superstition and freakish imagination. On the other end, the believers say that the children belong to a fairy underworld not known to us, with some even telling that the green children were alien beings. Whatever their origins, the green children of Woolpit remain an enigma that maintains the capacity to fascinate and invite conjecture. They refuse to fit comfortably into what medieval communities considered normal and what we today consider as applicable to that period. Because of this, they have endured as a folklore tale and yet also have been dismissed as such. The green-skinned children can therefore be said to serve as much as an exciting piece of folklore as a cautionary tale in history and perspective. Wild speculation and its conclusions can be persistent, but what became of these children or how they came to England is not known. What is known is that they spent the rest of their lives unable to properly communicate what happened to them and received little to no concrete help in being returned to their community wherever that might have been. Since it was first recorded, the story of the green children of Woolpit has endured for over eight centuries. While the real facts behind the story may never be known, it has provided the inspiration for numerous poems, novels, operas, and plays across the world and continues to capture the imagination of many. The tale has been the basis for several 20th and 21st century children's books and stories including Judith Stinton's Tom's Tale from 1983, a trilogy by Mark Bartholomew in 2006 and 2007, and The Green Children of Woolpit by J. Anderson Coates in 2019. These days, the village is fairly quiet and mostly known for its curious folk tale. It holds two pubs, a grocery store, and several other residential amenities. However, the story of The Green Children became so popular the village decided to honor it with a special sign created in 1977. The all-black sign features a wolf and two green-colored children. But what were these children really? Speculations have been offered for centuries. Of late, with new science and even science fiction, the portals of possibilities have been flung open. They include travelers from another dimension, mysterious creatures that dwelt beneath the Earth's surface, and of course, aliens. Yet with the passing of time comes a distancing from centuries long ago that may preclude us from ever really knowing who or what the children were and where they actually came from. So listeners, we'll chalk this one up to intriguing folklore. A tale perhaps having elements of truth but in the end remaining a mystery. Well in our next episode we look at the legendary cryptid The Dover Demon. Over the course of two days in April 1977, four teenagers in the picturesque town of Dover, Massachusetts, witnessed a horrifying alien-type creature. But before they could find an explanation as to what this creature was, the Dover Demon, well, just disappeared. The Dover Demon, a small humanoid, was the subject of an intensive scare during the 1970s when multiple witnesses came forward with their sightings. Often traveling on all fours, it has eyes that glow, and it roams the Dover area, appearing suddenly. It's a weird and frightening creature, and we'll track down the story of the Dover demon next time on the Paranormal Factor podcast. And now it's time for the episode quiz. Yes, indeed, it is time for the quiz, so let's get right to it. The Ohio Grassman is what kind of creature? Is it A... A giant snake, B, a Bigfoot creature, C, a woodland spirit, or D, a scarecrow-like grass creature. Once again, the Ohio Grassman is what kind of creature? Is it a giant snake, a Bigfoot creature, a woodland spirit, or a scarecrow-like grass creature? And the answer is... B. A Bigfoot creature. It's big. It's hairy. It has an unearthly screech that witnesses say sounds like it comes from the depths of hell. It terrorizes rural homesteads. It is the Ohio Grassman. Most likened to a Bigfoot, the Grassman has a long and storied history. Originally spotted in 1978 in Minerva, Ohio, it reportedly would regularly harass local families, and in one disturbing case, strangled a family pet. Deputies who investigated the sightings and violent occurrences still maintain to this day that they were not a hoax. After a period of relative inactivity, the grassman was again believed to be in the swamps around Kinmore, Ohio. Although it wasn't seen, a cast of a three-toed humanoid foot was made from tracks found there. It's unusual and relatively social behavior makes the grassman one of the most aggressive variations of Bigfoot. The grassman has been sighted dozens of times since 2000, most frequently in Portage County. It's been seen lurking around Kendall Lake, reportedly stalking unsuspecting fishermen. When asked about the potential of Sasquatch in his own backyard, Kyle Schmidt was cautious. Well, I really hope it's true because, well, it's fascinating, he said. But on the other hand... He's much more violent and I own three small dogs and fear for their safety." The Grassman gets his name from the small hut-like living structures or nests it builds out of tall grass. The first prominent sighting of the Grassman occurred in the small village of Minerva, Ohio in August of 1978 when the grandchildren of Minerva residents Evelyn and Hal Clayton along with their friends ran inside screaming about a hairy monster they saw in the gravel pit outside. When the couple went out to investigate, they saw what the crying children had described. It was covered in dark matted hair, sitting in the pit, and fiddling with discarded trash. It was estimated to be around 300 pounds. The Claytons fled, but this would not be their last encounter with Ohio's own Bigfoot. The Claytons would see the Grassman many times after their initial encounter. One night, it was seen peering at them through their kitchen window. how ran for his gun, but the creature was gone before he returned. The area was later investigated by police, and although there was no sign of the hairy humanoid, several faint footprints were observed in the mud, and a terrible stench still lingered in the air. The Ohio grassman was later seen by the Claytons atop a hill near a strip mine at night. The next month, in broad daylight, the couple observed two hairy bipeds on the same hill. It was only after these reports by the Claytons that a frightening connection was made. Days before the gravel pit incident, the Clayton's German shepherd was found dead, its neck broken, presumably killed by the hairy beast. The year 1978 was not the first mention of such creatures roaming the Buckeye State. In the 1700s, Indians native to the Ohio grasslands spoke of a race of bipedal ape men. Referred to as the Wild Ones of the Woods, the Native Americans would leave out food for the creatures in an effort to keep peace. Again, in the late 1800s, sightings of a similar hairy biped were made near the Ohio River. The creature had apparently tried to throw a man out of his carriage, but retreated when his daughter, riding as a passenger, threw several stones at it. Reported to be very aggressive and incredibly strong, according to eyewitnesses and Native American writings, the creatures seem to have the capacity for peace if useful to them, possibly suggesting higher aptitude. There have been up to five individuals spotted, and mothers and babies have also been observed. Sixteen-inch long hair strands were retrieved and analyzed by Ohio State University. Analysts were unable to identify any known animal they could have come from. We'll have more on the Grassman when we cover the Ohio paranormal landscape next season on the Paranormal Factor podcast. Well, that'll do it for this episode. A theme song is Knockers by Cinco, courtesy of Upbeat Music. Hey, before you leave, if you could, please do me just two favors. First of all, if you did enjoy the show, please leave a like on your favorite listening application. And secondly, if you liked what you heard, please spread the word. Love to have some new listeners out there to join you. I'm your host, Richard Wright. Keep your eyes open for the unusual folks, and thanks for stopping by.